Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Trevor McNulty continues our series of messages on the book of Acts, today looking at chapter 11. And now, here's Trevor. Good morning, everyone. Let's open in prayer. Dear Lord, I just pray that you'll speak through Acts 11 to us here today and that you'll use me as an instrument to spread your your word and your truth. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, uh, for all the things that you're doing in our community and in this church. And Lord, we just pray for the barbecue coming up that, that Lord, it is uh, an outreach and that we have the opportunity to share your truth and your love with those around us. Amen. So we're in Acts 11. We're going to break it down into a couple sections here today. And we're going to start with uh, verses 1 to 18. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began to explain it. Uh, to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, uh, being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. The spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers accompanied me. We entered this the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, of how he said, John baptizes with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then God gave them, gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ who was I that I could stand in God's way when they heard these things they fell silent and glorified God saying then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life missing the point what a common theme the scriptures in the scriptures and the here and now and if that wasn't bad enough the particular group that we're studying, that we're looking at today, they couldn't come up with a better name. The Circumcision Party. Well, it describes what they're about. I'll give them that. But, really. Okay. So, the Circumcision Party, as they were known, was a group of Jewish Christians. They met Peter as he was in Jerusalem. To tell Peter was there to tell of the good news that the Gentiles had believed the word of the Lord. 
This should be cause for celebration, should it not? People have come to the Lord. Celebrate. Nope. Met with criticism. How dare you? How dare you meet with people like that? How dare you eat with the uncircumcised, the unclean, or so they claimed? But what makes you clean? They missed the point again. The more people that know the true God, that's the mission. That is why Jesus was here. Not for criticism. So what was circumcision? A medical procedure? Identifying mark? Pointless? What was this circumcision? Genesis seventeen ten to 14 records the first Christian acts of circumcision. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised including these born into your household or bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So now we have the question, who? Who was this for? Who was this intended for? Abraham's relations for his tribe? The covenant between him and God. See, this covenant never said that the people not in his family could not be saved. This was connected to the, the promises connected to this covenant. Genesis 17, 4, 8 says, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall you be, your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to you, to your offspring after you. I will give you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, the, all the land of Canaan and the everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So this covenant was initiated by God in Genesis 17. But the first mention of it was Genesis 15, where he says to Abraham that he will provide him a child and he will be the father of many nations. But Abram and Sari sinned and they used Hagar to bear Abram a child. When God promised them that he would bless them 
in this way in Genesis 15, like I said. God said that this multitude of children would come from him and Sarah, not Hagar. So at this point, there was no circumcision mentioned. Circumcision was not a new practice. The Egyptians were using it already as a ritual act of purity, purification, and for the health benefits. So I will have to ask God about this at some point. As to why in the original mention was circumcision not part of it. And then after it was added, the only difference I see in between was the sin of Abraham. I'm not sure. I can't stand up here and say that this is a a certain fact. I'll have to ask God about it. But I just wonder if it was made that it required a physical action at this point to clean up the, you know, the, uh, the physical act of circumcision cleans up the possible disease in that organ that could be spread. The true circumcision is of the heart, which also carries a disease that can spread. Sin. So I'm not sure why it changed, but I'm just going to leave that with everyone. And I'm just wondering if, if that had anything to do with it. But as Jeremiah 4, 3, 4 says, This is what the Lord said to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground. Do not sow among thorns. Uh, circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your heart. You people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or my wrath will flare up and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. Jeremiah 9, 25, 26 says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all of those who are circumcised only in the flesh, Egypt, Judah, Edom, Ammon, Moab, and all who live in the wilderness and distant places. For all these nations are really uncircumcised, And even the whole house of Israel is uncircumcised in heart. If we look at the New Testament, Galatians 5, 1 to 6 says, For it is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And one more in 1 Corinthians 7. 17 to 20 it says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down for in all the churches. Was a man already 
already circumcised when he was called, he should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when, they, when God called them. Circumcision always had to go beyond the flesh. Always. It had to go to the heart. That is the key of it all. However, the Jews did not accept this. Hence, the sect of the Christians who were called themselves the circumcision party. But now we come to Peter. He's had wonderful news. The church is growing. It's spreading. And he has to sit here and defend who <laughs> is receiving it. He must have been tired. He traveled from Joppa to Caesarea to Jerusalem. His excitement must have been driving him. I don't know if he anticipated being met with criticism, but he was excited to, to, uh, to report that the church had grown to the Gentiles. So, speaking as Peter here, this is basically what he said to the circumcision party in his defense. I, too, was convicted of this. I always thought it was wrong to eat and associate with people who were unclean, unceremonial. I was brought up to obey the Mosaic law and not eat anything that I was taught was unclean. I was circumcised myself. But then the Lord came to me in a trance, showed me the beasts of the, of the, air, uh, the ground and the birds of the air and the reptiles, and it said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And I said, No. Yes, I actually said no to the Lord. Not only once, but three times. I said, No, Lord, surely, Surely I can't do that. And the Lord said, You're missing the point, Peter. I am God. If I say something is clean, then it is clean. If I say go, you go. That is it. But I was so stubborn, I made God repeat it three times anyways. You see, God had to break down Peter. To see what God was doing. Peter had to get through all the layers of his upbringing. Even though he walked with Jesus, he still had to be broken down in certain areas. See, in Mark 7, when Jesus was met with the Pharisees, it's highly likely Peter was there. And this is what Mark 7 records. Mark seven, fourteen to 23. Again, Jesus called the crowd and said to him, Let everyone, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd, he had entered the house. His disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? 
for it doesn't go into their heart, but it goes into their stomach, but then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that veil evil thoughts, uh, sexual immorality, theft, murder, idolatry, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person. Ephesians 2, 11-22 says, speaking on the Jew, Jew and Gentile reconciliation through Christ. Therefore, remember that you formerly, sorry, therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember, at this time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, dividing wall of hostility by setting aside the flesh of the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came to preach peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father in one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of the household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In, and in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. See, the heart was always the issue. And as Paul says in Galatians 5.11, which won't flip to you, but... He says, Paul was not opposed to the to circumcision, but he was opposed to it when it was placed as a requirement of your salvation. That would bring salvation back to works based and what you do. And that would push Jesus and the cross out of the equation. And that is where that opposition would would come from. The Old Testament laws were created to set them apart as a nation, as a people set apart by God, by visible means, I guess, and how they dress and ate, and, and I guess if they checked their, uh, if they dropped their drawers, I guess they would know too. But that never saved them. It was always the heart, not the rituals of the law. So in verse 11, Peter, after this trance, this vision, three men arrive at his door and the Spirit told him to go. And Peter went with them. 
And he was led by these three non-Jewish men who the Spirit told him not to discriminate against because uh, they were Romans and Gentile. These men, along with six others, they were led to the house of Cornelius. Peter, <laughs> I don't know what was going through his mind, but they were the, the Romans were overlords of the Jews at this time. And you're in a house of a, of a leader of a regiment. You don't know what's going to happen here. But he willfully obeyed the Lord. Cornelius told Peter that an angel had visited him and told him to send for him in Joppa that Peter could deliver him the message by which salvation comes. Peter would have been confused again because of his upbringing. would have thought that salvation was for the Jews. They had not reached the Gentiles yet. But in obedience... Peter spoke. And as he spoke, the Lord was with him and on them, it says, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, the Gentiles. In Peter's mind, what a great confirmation that he was indeed this was indeed the work of the Lord. When the circumcision party heard this report from Peter, kudos to them because they had a change of heart. They were met with clear evidence of what the Lord was doing and they accepted it and they were excited about it. And they said, who are we to stand in the way of the Lord? <laughs> that is awesome. That when we're met with things that are hard to understand or against what we've been taught, to look at the evidence, to look our evidences in our scriptures, our, our Bible, and to find that truth and to live that truth and to not put God in a box I'm sure we've all heard many sermons about putting God in a box. Well, we're going to keep hearing many sermons about not putting God in a box because we keep putting Him in a box. And the worst part is, it's a box that we created. Not that He created. You see, Isaiah 49.6 says, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation will reach the ends of the earth. Zechariah 2.11 says, Many... And many nations shall join themselves to the Lord in that day and shall be my people and I will dwell in your midst and you shall know that I am the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. They knew, they should have known that the, it wasn't just for them. But when you put them in the box, you don't see that. We don't see that. So, Praise the Lord that God is in the business of changing hearts and that He breaks down those walls and opens up the Scriptures to us and shows us the truth just as He did here 
that you ask and God will teach, will show you. So now the second half. We'll pick it up in Acts 11, 19 to 30. Those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and exhorted them all to remain faithful and to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood and foretold that this, by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took, days, took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, largely due to Saul's rampage on the church, the church scattered and spread. But they were only speaking to the Jews and occasionally the Hellenists. The Lord, the hand of the Lord was with them in this. And many reports were coming back that uh, of this growth. And Antioch, when they heard of this, um, the believers sent Barnabas. So when Barnabas came and he uh, seen, which was great growth and and uh, the spread of the gospel. Um, he wished them well and went home. No, no, that's not what it said. He said, when he came, he saw the grace of God and he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful in the Lord with steadfast purpose. And not only did he say that, he called in reinforcements. So Barnabas, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. He didn't leave them alone. He saw the great need. He saw great growth. With great growth comes a great need. Whether it's an individual person or a group collectively. A believer needs to have good teaching. Bad doctrine will creep in easily. I think that's what Barnabas here um, Identified that you're starting this, this church is growing, expanding, and they need to be taught well. They need to be, they need to be kept in on the true message and not be allowed to 
kind of figure it out on them by themselves. They needed support. So they recruited Saul. And not only did they just recruit, they stayed there for an entire year to make sure that this was well planted. And obviously, they must have felt comfortable after that one year, or they had a replacement. It doesn't really say. But it's important to support each other in our journey. It's important to challenge each other to look at the Word and to grow and to uh, be there for each other. As we're not blessed enough to have a Saul and a Barnabas come down, but we have each other. And may we never forget that and we always utilize that what the Lord is working in the hearts of this place and other believers around us that we grow each other as iron sharpens iron. We too must be committed to that. But it was a big commitment for them to stay a whole, uh, for a year there. And they did it gladly. They answered the call. And also the new believers in Antioch answered the call, which was based on something that hadn't even happened yet. The prophecy was spoken that the famine was coming. It wasn't here. It was coming. They had the faith and they believed and they collected it and they were well prepared. They have a giving heart. You can see the, the transformation that the Lord causes in people to help those they don't even know. To, to collect their money as they could to send it through Saul and Barnabas to the church in Jerusalem as the famine was coming to Judea and it could be distributed. That's amazing. So to wrap it up, these are some highlighted points to go through. We need to search the scriptures for the whole counsel of God to find the true meaning and gain full understanding. We must not discriminate who we share the word of God with. We must not put unnecessary obstacles in the path of someone coming to faith. We must seek out opportunities to spread the gospel and grow the believers. We must not leave the believers to disciple themselves. We must disciple them. And we must be willing to meet the needs of the party of Christ or the Christians as they were first called in Antioch. It is a tall task, but we have a great Savior and He is with us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just pray that You'll be with us and help us to to live this out in our own lives and Lord to break down discrimination and all the things that get in our way whether it's comforts or um, different things Lord that get in our way Lord I just pray that you'll help us to tear down those obstacles and Lord we just pray that you'll tear down any blinders that are on that we read the scriptures and we just just can't understand and and there's certain things that just um can really just mess us up because we don't understand and and then we end up getting distracted by these things. And Lord, I just pray that we have no distractions but can focus on what is important and that is spreading Your Word and 
not arguing over silly things like the circumcision party, arguing with Peter. Instead of praising you for what is happening, they criticize. And, and we don't want that, Lord. We don't want that to exist. We want you and you alone and your word to reign supreme. And Lord, work in all of our hearts. Help us all to love you and honor you and to grow your church for you and for no one else. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.